If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the latter part of the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. I really want us to focus on chapter 11, but to me the context of that really begins back in chapter 10. One of the themes of the book of Hebrews is that what we have in the New Testament church is better than what they had in the Old Testament law service. And if you look throughout the book of Hebrews, you'll see where that word better is mentioned numerous times. One of the things that the Apostle Paul, who I believe was the one the Lord used to pen the book of Hebrews, one of the themes of this book was for him to get these Hebrew believers not to draw back or shrink back from believing that their eternal salvation was totally and completely in what the Lord Jesus Christ had done. And they didn't need to add to it any of the works of man. There was a temptation amongst the Hebrew, the Jewish believers to go back under the Old Testament law service and to be pulled back into thinking that the Lord Jesus, what he did on the cross, was not enough. So that's one of the themes of the book of Hebrews and how the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did is perfect, it's complete, and it's better than anything in the Old Testament law service. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38, it said, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That says, now the just shall live by faith. The word faith and that Greek word here used for faith literally has the connotation of assurance. It's Translated in the King James Bible, this same Greek word is translated assurance, believe, belief, faith. It has the connotation of trusting and believing in God and what God says. The just shall live by faith. The Apostle Paul is quoting this from an Old Testament book in the book of Habakkuk where very similar language is used that he is quoting from. In Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. 
says the soul that's lifted up, the soul that's prideful, the soul that says, I'm going to do it my way instead of the Lord's way, uh, that is not the just living by faith. Now, where do we even have faith to start with? Man by nature has no faith. Man by nature uh, does not believe God. Man by nature does not believe what God says. So how is a man, where does faith come from? Well, Romans chapter 12 tells us who's the dealer of faith. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, and we could spend time if we backed up just preaching a whole message on those three verses, uh, and that's not my intent this morning. But verse 3 would say, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The reason the Apostle Paul warns us about that is by nature, by our nature, we have the inclination to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. That's my nature by nature, and that's your nature by nature. That's the old Adam nature. But... We're not to do that, but what are we to do? But to think soberly, to think clear-mindedly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now by every man there, he doesn't mean everyone in the human race. He doesn't mean every woman, boy or girl. But at the beginning of that chapter, he would say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So he's saying that God has dealt to every born-again child of God the measure of faith. And when we were born again, God put faith in our hearts. In Galatians chapter 5, he tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. And there's nine-fold fruit of the Spirit, and one of those is faith. So men can't go by nature and just say, well, I'm going to have faith or I'm going to get some faith. No, the only way we can have faith and have faith in our hearts is when God put it there when he born us again. God is the dealer of faith. As God had dealt to every man, that is every child of God that's been born again by his Holy Spirit, God is the dealer of faith. And that's the only place faith comes from. But once God has put faith in our hearts, we're able to exercise that faith. We're later going to see some great examples of faith in Hebrews 11. And the Lord uh, showcases these people of faith and really gets down to where the rubber meets the road of what it looks like to exercise your faith in difficult circumstances and in the trials and the tribulations of life. 
Faith is kind of like muscles. He says, God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. That means the same faith that Moses had, the same faith that Abraham had, the same faith that King David had. The little shepherd boy David, when he went out to fight the great giant Goliath, the same faith he had is the same faith that the Lord's put within us. As God had dealt to every man, the measure of faith. So the Lord in, in the new birth puts faith within us. But sometimes our faith may seem big and sometimes it may seem small. And a lot of that depends on how we're exercising that faith. We're all born with the same amount of muscles, but some people's muscles look a lot bigger than others. It's because those muscles have been exercised. And what the Apostle Paul here is writing to them, now the just shall live by faith. We, those that have been made righteous and made holy by the blood of the Lord Jesus, the way we are to live our life, to live an abundant life, to live a joyful life, to live the good life the Lord would have us to live is to exercise the faith that he's put within us. Now, that's ultimately believing the truth that the Lord has revealed unto us. It's very interesting, but the Greek word rendered faith in verse 38, the just shall live by faith, is the same Greek word that's mentioned in verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, these verses are not talking about how we get to heaven. These verses are not talking about uh, the way we live a life so that we can go to heaven. These verses are about a timely deliverance and a timely salvation. It says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. He's not saying that someone that draws back is going to lose their eternal salvation and not go to heaven. We know that the Bible plainly teaches that our eternal life is just that. It's eternal. And that we're held in the hand of the Lord Jesus and in the hand of God the Father, and we can never fall away or be lost eternally. And what a great blessing that is. So he's talking about a timely pulling back. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Paul's not saying he won't have pleasure in him. He's saying the Lord won't have pleasure. And again, that's the context of Hebrews. He's saying the Lord, what the Lord did on the cross and our belief in the Lord and our faith in not in ourselves and not in our own works, but in what the Lord Jesus Christ did upon the cross is enough. And we don't need to try to go back under the law service. He said, don't draw back. Don't draw back and think you have to do something in order for heaven to be your home. Don't draw back. Don't pull back. 
He said, one that does, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That means that would be very displeasing to the Lord for them to draw back. He goes on to say, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. That word perdition literally means to ruin or to destroy. He said, we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Again, he's not talking about going to heaven here. But he's talking about when we believe God, we have faith in God, and we believe God, and we believe what God says. We believe the truth that he's conveyed. It saves our so, he said the opposite of that is to draw back into ruin and destruction. But to live by faith, exercising the faith that's been put within us and exercising that faith so that anything God says, we believe. And we not only believe it, we try to live it. The just shall live by faith. Now I'm going to tell you, if we ever trust in our own works, we're never going to truly have that peace that passes all understanding. Because each one of us, down deep, we know that whatever good works we may have tried to do, that evil is still present with us. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans 7. So if we're ever trusting in our own works and thinking that's what's going to get us to heaven, we're never going to have the assurance of our eternal salvation because we know it's based on something very faulty. And that is our own works, which always have evil present with us. If my eternal salvation was based on something I did, I could never have peace and assurance that heaven would be my home because deep down I know and I realize that I didn't do it right. But we can trust in what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And then that faith and confidence and trust in him that gives us peace and assurance that one day heaven and immortal glory shall be our home. And it's that peace and believing in what the Lord says that helps us to live the abundant, joyous life. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. There's another phrase that talks about, it says here, the just shall live by faith. There's another couple of sayings in Scripture, one place in the Old Testament, uh, one place in the New where the Lord Jesus would quote that talks about living by something. We'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 because that's the first place it's mentioned in Scripture.
Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. It said, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. Notice that there's a theme in some of these verses we've read, not trusting in ourselves, not being uplifted in ourselves, but trusting in the Lord. What's the opposite of pride is humility. And he just said that here. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. Now that verse, does it sound familiar? It sounds familiar because the Lord Jesus Christ would quote that verse when he was, right after he was baptized, he was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He's been 40 days and 40 nights without food. How hungry do you think the Lord Jesus was? 40 days and 40 nights without food. And the tempter comes in verse 3 of Matthew 4 and said, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That was one of the answers to the temptations of Satan. And by the way, every time the Lord Jesus would answer the temptation of Satan, he'd come back with us, saith the Lord. And for the way for us to exercise our faith, the just shall live by faith. To exercise our faith and to live by faith is to live by every word that the Lord has given us. To live by that. That means we need to know what the Lord said. How do we do that? We got to be in this book. We got to know what the Lord said. He said, notice he didn't say by knowing some of my words. He said, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our life is so much more honoring to the Lord when we believe God, when we believe what he said, and we try to live out what he has told us in his words. And that's really when we understand that in and of ourselves we're totally guilty, bankrupt sinners, but because of what the Lord's done for us and because of his truth that we believe, 
You know, sometimes, well, in the book of Jude, it will say, uh, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. By faith, the faith there, he's talking about the whole body of truth, which as we're believing God and listening to God's words and believing God's words, we are blessed to know and to understand the truth. And when we know the truth of what Jesus Christ has done, we can understand that, yeah, in and of ourselves, we're guilty, bankrupt sinners, but because of what Jesus did, we are just and holy and righteous. And it makes a tremendous difference every single day that we live. He said, but if we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, unto ruin and destruction, but of them which believe to the saving of the soul. When we believe the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a blessing to our soul. It is a timely deliverance to our soul. And it blesses us every single day to know that we've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus. And that if we were to breathe our last breath, that heaven and immortal glory shall be our home. That truth changes every second of every day for us. It makes every second better than it would have been. Every minute, every day, every hour. Knowing that beloved truth. He then goes in into Hebrews chapter 11 and said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And he begins to give somewhat of a definition of faith. That word substance literally means foundation, confidence, trust. Says now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now sometimes in my job as a probation officer in the, the criminal justice field, we'll have maybe a crime that took place that nobody saw, but there's evidence that the crime took place. Let's say someone's house is burglarized and the, the people that own the home have gotten home and they see that a lot of their stuff is gone. It's been stolen, but nobody saw it. But there may be some evidence there. You may go and look out at a, at a windowsill and see some, some muddy handprints where the the burglar got up on the windowsill and there may be some fingerprints that were left. There may be some muddy footprints in the house. Nobody saw the crime, but there's evidence left that lets you know a crime was committed and may even can give you the identity of who did it. Now that's a negative example of evidence of, of something bad that happened, but there can also be evidence of something good that's happened. 
Let's say I had a debt that I couldn't pay. It was a great debt. More of a debt than if I worked hard all the days of my life, I could never pay that debt. And somebody that loved me very much went to the bank and paid that debt for me. I didn't see him go into the bank. I, I, I didn't see any of it. My eyes didn't see anything. But I'll tell you, when I get my statement of that debt, my statement of that loan, there'll be some evidence there. And it'll say that huge debt that I owe is now zero balance. And I don't owe anything. The Bible says here that faith is actually an evidence. The faith that the Lord has put in our hearts is an evidence that He is, that God is. And it's an evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. And the definition of hope is a confident and joyful expectation of eternal salvation. And it's saying the very fact that the Lord's put faith in our hearts and the very fact this morning that we love the Lord and we want to please the Lord, that fact is evidence that God is real and that heaven is real and that heaven will be our home one day. Faith is the substance. It's the foundation of things hoped for. It's evidence of things not seen. He goes on and he begins to talk about how people in the Old Testament lived by faith and how it affected their lives and how it was a blessing. It said, for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. And by elders, most people believe that simply means those in, in very ancient times, the, the old patriarchs. It said by faith, by believing in God and believing what God said and trying to live that out in their life, they obtained a good report. Good report from who? From God. You know, I used to be glad when I was a little boy and I got a good report card. <laughs> You're kind of glad to show your parents. When it wasn't too good, you didn't really want to show them. But when you had a good report card, you wanted to go show them. But that was a report from the school. This is a report from God. And I'm going to tell you, in the heart of a little child of God, Really more than anything else we may want and desire in life. Lord, I want to have a good report of you. Whatever men may think of me, whatever this world may think of me, Lord, I want a good report from you. Lord, I want to please thee. And it said, by faith, they obtained a good report. <laughs> Since through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen 
We're not made of things which do appear. We can look out in God's wondrous creation and we can know by the faith that the Lord's put in our heart and by our exercising of that faith and believing God and believing what he said all the way back in the book of Genesis that he created this universe. And we can look at a mountain and that mountain's evidence that a God that these eyes have not seen is real. It's through faith we can understand that. That faith is an evidence. We look at that mountain and say, no, no man made that mountain. God Almighty made that mountain. God Almighty made that river. God Almighty made the stars and the sun and the moon. And God Almighty made that faith within us. And it's an evidence of things not seen. It's an evidence of the Lord who made it. You know, I can look at my watch and see all the intricate movements in it, and it keeps time. And I can know that some intelligent designer made this watch. We can look at the creation of this world. We can see through faith that a wise creator God, God Almighty, made this world. Said by faith, Abel offered unto God a, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Who gave him the witness? God testified of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. We remember the account of Abel, and Abel actually went and, and offered the firstlings of the flock. He went to, to worship the Lord. And in doing that, he showed forth what the Lord had put in his heart. And he received a witness from God. He obtained witness that he was righteous. Was he righteous by his works? No. Abel was righteous the same way we're righteous, by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, that he was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and one sweet day, Jesus would die for him on the cross of Calvary, and the Lord, based on that, and the confidence of God the Father and what God the Son would do, God born again Abel all the way back then. And he put faith in his heart. And Abel worked out that faith. He manifested that faith. He believed God. And he wanted to please God. He obtained witness of God. That he was righteous. God testified of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaking. Now the Bible tells us we know that Cain went up and slew his brother. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. 
You know, if you look back in Genesis, you'll see where God had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, a lot of people have gotten into a lot of details about the different offerings of Cain and Abel. Cain brought forth of the first fruits of the ground, and Abel brought forth a lamb of the flock. And certainly in that, we can see a picture of the lamb that would come, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross of Calvary. But the reason the Lord was displeased with Cain and pleased with Abel had more to do than just the sacrifice itself. Because as we just saw, Cain was of that wicked one. But Abel had faith in his heart. And when he worshiped, he worshiped God because he wanted to please God. And Abel's worship mattered. You know, one of the things the devil will try to tell us even today in 2024 in Stringer, Mississippi, he'll try to tell us your worship doesn't matter. Just stay home. Are you a little tired? Did you stay up too late? Just stay home. Your worship doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you, Abel's worship mattered so much that God was still talking about it. In the New Testament, his worship mattered when he offered that firstling of the flock through faith and through working out the faith that the Lord had put within him. And he knew in his heart that God wanted him to worship him and he wanted to worship him to the best of his ability. And the Lord testified of his gifts. He said, I'm pleased with you, Abel. And I'm going to tell you, when we feel that affirming of the Lord unto us, that we have done something that has pleased the Lord, it means everything. <laughs> yeah, I like to get a good report card from Lafayette County Elementary School, but I'll tell you, I'd rather have a good report from the Lord any day. I'd rather have him testify me. When you did this, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. And that ought to mean more to us than anything we could ever, ever imagine. God testifying of his gifts. God was pleased. God said, he's righteous. I've made him righteous. I put that faith in his heart. And when that faith is worked out, it just gives evidence of what I've done in him. By he being dead, yet speaketh. You know, Abel's worship on that occasion would mean the end of his life here. Did Abel know that? I don't know. Did he know that Cain was going to get so mad that God received the worship of Abel, but God did not receive his, his offering that was offered with a wicked spirit? I don't know if Abel knew it would mean his life or not. But I'm going to tell you, Abel's worship mattered. And the Bible says, by him being dead, yet speaking. How many times have we thought about saints that have gone on and died, gone on to be with the Lord? We remember their faithfulness. We remember things they've done in their life. And it gives us strength to say, if they could do it, if they could keep on keeping on in the service of God, so can I. And even though they had already gone on, even though they're dead, 
yet being dead, the testimony of their life still speaks to us even today. And God Almighty said Abel's life, his worship, his faithfulness still speaks today. Him being dead, yet speaketh. Since by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before this translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Enoch was a man, the Bible said in Genesis chapter 5, that he walked with God. He lived for 365 years. And I don't think it's any accident that he lived for 365 years and we have roughly 365 days in our year. To me, that means we ought to walk with the Lord every day. And to walk with the Lord means you're doing things God's way. If I'm walking with somebody on a trail, on a path, that means we're walking the same path. So if we're walking with the Lord and we're on a path, it's his path. It's what he says is right. He's what he says is good. Because I'll tell you, the Lord says, I'm the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So if I'm walking with the Lord and all of a sudden I'm not walking with the Lord, the Lord had moved. <laughs> I moved. And if we're walking on a path and I begin to veer off over here, Lord's still walking on the path of truth and righteousness and holiness and good. I'm the one that got off. But you know when you get off and you keep getting off, notice here's where the Lord's walking, this straight hand going up. Sorry for anybody that listens to this later. They may not understand because they can't see my hand. But as the Lord continues to walk straight and I veer off the path, the further I go away from him, I get further and further and further away from him, from his truth. That's why it's so important to know what God says. Since he that cometh to God, said Enoch walked with God all the days of his life, and he actually went right into heaven with God without dying. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I want to walk with God every day. I want to be with him in the house of God. We came out here to the house of the Lord to be with the Lord today. This is his house. And I believe God's here. I want to walk with him every day. We can spend time with him as we read his word. And his word speaks to us. We can spend time with him in prayer. What a blessing it is to spend time with the Lord. 
said Enoch was translated that he should not see death and he was not found because God had translated him. For before this translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He was walking on the pathway God set. And God's given us a pathway of worship in the New Testament of preaching, praying, and singing. And we don't need to try to deviate from that in any way. But to stay on that pathway with what the Lord's given us, the Lord's way is the best way. And it doesn't matter how much men may add to those things. We need to just stay on the pathway with the Lord and know God's ways the best way. And I want to be with thee, O Lord. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know, an unregenerate person, it's impossible. They have no faith in their heart. And it is impossible for them to please God. But you know, because God's put faith in our hearts, we can please God. It's possible for us to please God. It's not automatic. Sometimes I please him, sometimes I don't. But I want to please him all the time. For without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. See, faith says God is real. He's real. And not only is he real, he is active in my life. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, Enoch believed that. And Enoch got the blessing of every single day of those 365 years that he lived to walk with God, to fellowship with God, to commune with God. What a blessing. For us to come to God, for us to walk with God, we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That word rewarder is an interesting word. It's a compound word. And kind of both of the words and the compound word kind of mean the same thing. It's basically got the connotation that when we come to the Lord, we don't just get a blessing. We get a double blessing. See, the firstborn would get a double inheritance. And you know why we have the blessings we have from the Lord ultimately? It's because of the firstborn, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our elder brother. And because of what he did when, when we come to God and we exercise that faith, he's put in our hearts and say, God, I'm going to serve you no matter what. I don't care how much the trials or the tribulations get. Lord, I don't care what all storms may come in my life. I'm going to come to you. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. He'll give us a double blessing. You know, there's so many things I've done in my life made me 
looking at stuff on the phone. I'm not talking about looking at bad stuff. I'm just talking about looking at whatever. And you spend two or three hours and you look up and say, what have I done? What a waste of my time. What did I get out of this? But I'm going to tell you, when I go to the house of God, I get a double blessing. I get far more than I put into it that the Lord blesses me to have out of it. When I spend time in His Word, I get far more out of it than what I put into it. When I spend time on my knees before Almighty God in prayer, I get so much more out of it than I ever put into it. When we believe that He is a, when we believe Him, without faith it's impossible to believe, to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. May God bless me to do that all the days of my life. He's blessed us so much. Later in this chapter, and I'll close with this, he'll say that Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. As we exercise that faith the Lord's put within us, may we think about heaven every day. We hardly ever go through a song service here at Providence where we're not singing songs about heaven. It's good to think about heaven. It's good to remember this world is not our home, but we're just passing through. And it's good to think that because of what Jesus did, there's a city for us eternally whose builder and maker is God. We're blessed to get a taste of that city right here in the church. We're blessed to get a taste of the kingdom of heaven that will never end here in the church. But I'll tell you one sweet day, that city that Abraham looked for, and I trust we're looking for all the days of our life, builder and maker is God. We'll be in that city. In a place with no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, or death, but where the former things are passed away. Not because of what anything we've done, but because of what our Lord Jesus Christ, our elder brother, has done for us. May God bless you, is my prayer.